My name is Ian Howley from GMFA and you're listening to A Portrait of Excellence, the Gate Times Honours Podcast. GMFA is the recipient of the London Lighthouse Gay Times Honour. William, we're sure this charity and what it does needs a little introduction. I really couldn't agree more. GMFA, the gay men's health charity, played and continues to play a vital role in the education and support of gay men taking control of their sexual health while promoting the fullest expression of their sexuality. But only a few moments into my chat with its current chief executive, Ian Howley, it soon became clear that GMFA was more than just a support service. GMFA was created 25 years ago because um, a group of gay men got together and they felt that not enough was being done for the community at the time. Uh, back in 1992, um, most of the campaigns that you would have seen around HIV and AIDS were directed at general populations and there was no real voice speaking to gay men directly, okay. even though they were the men that were affected most at the time. So the, these men came together and they formed a charity called Gay Men Fighting AIDS. Um, and eventually that moved on to becoming GMFA, the Gay Men's Health Charity. Uh, in today's world, 25 years later, even though it's, it's a long gap between starting and now, uh, what we do is we, we have several services that we offer to gay men, which is uh, one is sexual health website, which is gmfa.org.uk, that receives over 1.7 million visits a year. Um, 60% of them come from the UK, um, and then a lot of our traffic comes from... Um, countries such, uh, where homosexuality is illegal, which is, um, I think it's quite a proud stat. Mm. Um, we also have a, a magazine, a gay men's health and life magazine called FS Magazine, which um, tries to t- uh, touch on the harder subjects such as racism in the gay community, um, consent. Um, we do a lot of uh, work around HIV and sexual health, but also on mental health and body image. Okay. Um, and we try to t- touch on a lot of subjects that uh, is very relevant to gay men's lives. So it's not just sexual health yeah. itself. Um, each issue gets roughly about 125,000 reads. Wow. Um, and we publish that six times a year. Um, um, as well as that, we also do group work, which um, it, it tends to be kind of a, a one-to-one sort of basis. So it could be peer support um, for newly diagnosed gay men, or we do a lot of chemsex um, information evenings where yeah. people can come and they can learn how to do yeah. chemsex in a safe environment. Yeah. Um, what we're seeing a lot of this these days is that mm-hmm. uh, a lot of gay men who are taking G are overdosing. I think it's roughly about one in six, ple- six, six men who are who are taking GR overdosing. So we, we have these information evenings to make sure that if somebody's going to do it, they do it safer. Um, but then we also do kind of group work in partnership with other um, organisations such as NAS and London Friend um, so that we can try and reach as many people as possible throughout London. If we think back to when it first started in, I believe it was 1992, is that right? Yeah. The things that people, and the questions that people used to pose and ask to GMFA when it was first created compared to now are there any similarities between the two or is it a completely different kind of type of conversation people are having we are currently doing archiving our work at the moment and we were able to look back at a lot of the minutes and meet from uh, when the organization was first set up and um, one of the things that's kind of very similar is that a lot of the issues are still quite similar there's a lot lack of knowledge of how hiv is transmitted um, and how best somebody can stop themselves from get, becoming HIV positive. There's also um, a lot, very similar around kind of uh, people who are diagnosed with HIV and how it pass, how they can stop from passing it on yeah. essentially. Um, 
in today's world we we're starting to figure out that uh u equals u so un, undetectable equals untransmissible um but back then that didn't really exist because there was no treatment no effective treatment back then so somebody had hiv the chances are if they had sex they were going to pass it on yeah um so there was a lot of fear a lot of lot, lot of um lack of not basic knowledge around sexual yeah. sex and sexual health and the conversations that were happening then and now i imagine that are, bit, are kind of based on people's lack of knowledge or want to learn as well do you find that the kind of people come to you guys with the same sort of questions does it tend to be that there's a general lack of knowledge in certain areas or you have to think about 1992 there was no internet um and it was uh, very difficult for people to get sexual health information um because a lot lot grew up in an education system that didn't have any sexual health information and especially towards gay men that just did not exist so back then even just small basic knowledge that we take for granted today people didn't know um and that's why the people uh, targeted GMFA and they came towards GMFA back in 1992 because that's that's the information that they were craving. Um, now, because everybody has a smartphone, it's so easy to ask the questions when you think about it. Mm. Um, and we're delighted that a lot of people come to GMFA's website to find that information. They, they, the most kind of top hits that we see on the website are the how risky bits. So how risky is fucking... Is that going to clarify? Yeah, of course. <laughs> How risky is fucking, um, how, how to get fucked, um, basic sexual health information, but also how to better their sex lives, mm. which is just as important. Um, because if someone's having better sex, they're more likely to take the uh, precautions to protect themselves. If they're the questions that they're bringing to you guys, where is it that the education has fallen previously? Is it the fact that, you know, within mainstream schools and sex education, they're not being taught, you know, same sex relationships? Or is it that maybe it's not conversations not happening within community peers? Kind of where is it that people are falling short and therefore having to come and ask you guys some some questions? I think a lot of the time it's emotionally based. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people are getting the, the basic knowledge of of how HIV is transmitted. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I think if you were to ask somebody, they would probably be able to say that I this is how HIV is transmitted. But a lot of the stuff that we see is around emotional stuff. So okay. people coming to asking about problems that with, they have with a partner, um, they can't openly talk about the sex that they want with their partner. Um, and that tends to put people at risk because what, what we see an awful lot, especially um, in the last few years, is that if somebody can't connect with their partner or partners about what they want, they're more likely to go and try and find that somewhere else. And, yeah. if that, and, and when they do, they're more likely to put themselves at risk. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of emotional issues uh, in regards to how people see themselves and their self-worth yeah. um, and self-esteem in regards to sex. And yeah. that's kind of the issues that we're facing right now. So it's not through a lack of want to, want to know this information. It's just about where do they go. And I guess that's yeah. what, what GMFA did was to find you know this this hole and say actually you know we can we can give you all the answers actually in one place like. yeah um i think that's what that's the core of what, of what gmfa stands for and uh, it was to give gay men good sexual health information and in, in language and tones that they understand but also to help them better their sex lives and yeah. to get the best sex that they with the least risk yeah um and that's essentially for the last 25 years that's the core of what yeah. gmfa does yeah let's just go back to what you just mentioned there about language because um, ahead of talking to you today, I was having a look on, on the, your website and it was really interesting that the language felt very familiar and very comfortable. It didn't feel like it was patronising in any way, it didn't feel like it was unreachable at all. It felt like common day-to-day language that we as a gay community would use. Is that intentional? Is that to make it feel like this is a conversation that anybody can have? Absolutely. Um, 
GMFA is created by gay men for gay men, so yeah. we're going to use language that we use in everyday conversations. Yeah. I think when you try to tone stuff down, it lacks the impact. And, you know, you have to say these words in, in the way that, that people understand it. And when you say fuck and fucked and, and all those other words yeah. that you can throw in there, I think uh, it makes people feel comfortable like this is for me. And when you feel like something's for you, you're more likely to trust it. Let's talk about the conversation that's happening in our community at the moment. So we compare 1992 at the start. Let's talk about 2017. Um, what's kind of tends to be the most popular kind of conversation that or pieces of information that people are reaching out to you guys to want to know? Is it still about HIV and AIDS? Is it about um, chemsex like you mentioned before? Where do you kind of sit at the moment? I think we're at a, a very interesting um direction in our community right now because prep is changing yeah. the game and i think that's that's what most people are talking about right now in regards to their sex and sexual health lives um, and that is going to change um, our community in the next five to ten years um, we've already seen a drop of 21 percent in the uk for gay men yeah. um, 29 percent in london which is extraordinary mm. that's the biggest drop that we've ever seen in hiv rates this continues to happen I'd say within 10 years, you're probably looking at very minute rates of HIV being transmitted. That also leads into where do we go from then? Because our battle has always been trying to get those numbers down. So what do we do when we get those numbers down? And right now, our community needs to start looking at other health inequalities within our, within our, our community, um, such as mental health and suicide uh, are massive problems, stuff that we're just about touching on. Yeah. We're not actually talking about because we're so focused on HIV and sexual health. Yeah. And what, we, what we're seeing at GMFA is that people are craving out for support, yeah. um, emotional support because of the issues that they're, they may have faced um, growing up as teenagers. And the enter adulthood, um, I'm not going to say damaged, but it, I don't think there are a lot of gay men are emotionally stable enough to be able to uh, become healthy, strong adults yeah. to be able to take on the world as it is. And I think what, what we're seeing is a lot, and it's the reason why a lot of gay men kind of get make their choices based on their own self-value and self-worth. And what we're trying to do at GMFA is to actually start working on tackling some of these other health inequalities mm -hmm. and not just HIV uh, and sexual health. The topic of chemsex has, you would think it's brand new, the way that it's kind of coming across, but it's not. This is something that has been going on for probably 20 years. The, the mixture of drugs and sex together in the gay community has been something that's gone on probably before you and I were born. Um, but it, what it has changed in the last few years are the type of drugs that people are using. And these drugs are really hardcore drugs that people are taking very lightly. Um, our approach at GMFA is to make sure that uh, people, it's harm reduction essentially. So to make sure that if somebody's going to do these drugs that they have the knowledge to be able to do them in as, as safely as possible so that they don't overdose um, or kill themselves. Um, or d even pass out um, because we are seeing issues of people passing out on G and uh, being raped uh, at chemsex parties. Um, that needs to be tackled. But there is an issue around what these drugs are um, doing to people's minds. And there's a lot of issues where, where people are, are reporting to um, GUM clinics with mental health issues. Um, our colleagues at, at some of the GUM clinics 
have, have Sepp told me um, personally that there's people coming in thinking that there's, there's bugs all over them um, trying to eat their own arms um, and that's ex really extreme but that's because uh, people don't realize just how heavy these drugs are and that something like crystal meth can mess you up massively um, I think a lot of people think that they can just do it and then walk away and for some that is absolutely fine they, they can they can they, they can stop using cam sex um, and go back to a, a fairly normal healthy life but there's a lot of people who can't and um, I think what we need to start doing now is yes we need to continue on with the harm reduction um, but we also need to start making people aware of just what these drugs are doing. So from your time and experience with the company why has it taken so long for mental health to have the attention that it deserved? Why is this something that this is a conversation that hasn't evolved before? Why has it kind of come to the forefront of our community at the moment? I don't, I don't think we were ready to talk about it. Okay. Um, I think we've gotten so used to being the high stats part of, of our community. So you, you hear all the time that we're five times more likely to die by suicide, yeah. more likely to, to a, a even think about it and try. and. And when you hear it for so long, I think a lot of people just assume that that's just a part of life as a gay man. You are going to be more likely to do alcohol, do drugs, experience mental health issues. And I just think that now people are going to hang on now. Well, if we can control HIV, mm -hmm. why can't we start tackling these issues? And I think the Internet has opened up this portal where people that can actually start talking about their issues and the more people that start talking about the more that we're actually starting to head in that direction and it's been absolutely amazing but it's been for far too long that we've been just sitting on it i think this is something that should have been start tackled 10 years ago mm. we have all the stats we know how to how to help people who are affected with mental health issues it's time that we start doing it so how do you as an organization begin a conversation around mental health from your perspective and from a user's perspective? Um, I think there's this, this two, two, a two-tier approach here. We need to start reaching out to gay men who are, who are currently going through mental health issues right now. Um, and that means that we have to make sure that the support systems are out there so that when we do actually reach out and bring them into the system, that they don't get lost. So that there is emotional support, counseling, um, online services, peer support, which is very important. Um, and if we can set up those, we can help people who are going through issues right now. But I also think that we need to start building the blocks in younger people who are just discovering their sexuality. And we need to make sure that we can help them become stronger adults so that they don't have to face these issues when they get older. And a conversation at school, I imagine, would be a good place to start. Yeah, I think so. I think, well, and I don't think this is just for gay men. I think this is all young people. Um, I think we need to really start focusing on self-development um, and the issues that a lot of young people go through. Um, I just think it's, it's not acceptable that, that we, we keep on talking about it, but there's not a lot of action. It feels strange that a conversation that's very present within our community and kind of in the UK still doesn't seem to be able to get over that hurdle. It, it seems like, what do we have to do to, to begin this? The conversation has been it's, been, it's been in the works for the last five years or so, even Theresa May mm -hmm. has been using it as a key word yeah. over, over the last couple, uh, year or so. Um, 
I think like there's only so much talking you can do. Mm-hmm. It's now it's now time for action. And you know we can have all the politicians in the world saying that yeah we need to tackle mental health. We need to tackle it, and it needs to happen now. It too many people are suffering, and it, it's leading to a lot of gay men taking their own lives, yeah. and it's just not acceptable. And we need to start getting into schools. Um, to make sure that we can and emotional education is just as important as learning math um, and e- English I think you need you need to learn how to how to build those support blocks within yourself so that when life does get rough you are able to deal with it if people want to begin a conversation around their own mental health yeah. with GMFA how would they go about doing that I think first thing they need to do is say to themselves that I've got an issue and I need to talk about because that's the first step Um, once you can admit it yourself then that's half the battle because that means that you're you're willing and ready to move forward in regards to Jim Fair we work as a signposting organization so we know who are the best people to look after you come to us and we'll make sure that uh, you get the best help that's available out there but what we also need what one thing that we're trying to do right now is we're trying to build up a peer support system um, which hopefully in the next year we'll we'll get up and running, um, because I think whereas GMFA is not uh, intended to be a counselling service, mm-hmm. I think one thing that we can do uh, is provide peer support, which I think is very very important. I think when people start talking to each other about their own issues, we we all help and support each other, and that's the sense of what a gay community should be doing. How important was it the government's recent? kind of beginning of a trial for PrEP on the NHS. It felt like a big breakthrough for the community. It was something that got a lot of attention, but that also feels like something else which has been a long time coming. It's a conversation that's been Mm. very prevalent within our community. How important was kind of that decision to actually begin that trial for GMFA? Well, this this prep is this this trial has been coming on for for at least three years. Um I don't I still don't think it's it's enough. Um because what you're going to see is there's only 10,000 spaces. Most of them are going to be given to gay men. Mm-hmm. Are the right gay men going to get on that trial? The people who are absolutely most at risk? I don't know. Um, what we're seeing in Scotland is uh, it's open to everybody and everybody's using it. The people who are more most at risk. So you're going to get a better... It's going to work. I have a feeling it's going to work better in Scotland right now than it is going to happen in England because the people who need to get on prep right now are um, black men or gay men and trans men um, they're the ones that are most affected by HIV in our community right now and I have a feeling that it's not going to reach them as much as possible um, I think it, the trial is limiting it's good that we're, we'll have it and it's starting to roll out it's just very limiting and it's, ta- it's taken way too long. And in that time, so many people have become positive where they probably wouldn't have become positive. In terms of the questions that people are asking to you guys about PrEP, is it, what is it? Is it as simple as that? Is it, how do I get on a treatment? Is it, you know, where is it available? What does it do? Is, is it really that simple? Are people needing that knowledge? Um, yes, just just as basic HIV information, um, people are starting to ask the question exactly what is PrEP. They're worried about side effects um, and will it affect their health overall. Um, there's also, the conversation essentially is, that we're seeing is, do they trust PrEP? Um, and that's the issue. Even though all the science says that, um, that people on PrEP are very, 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 very unlikely to pass on HIV um, or even contract HIV, 
but there's an element of trust there. Do, do they actually trust that science? And I think that's a, there's a little bit of fear there. There's also a fear of um, somebody who is on pr on prep. Um, will will somebody trust somebody who's on prep? So it's not necessarily about them taking prep, but about other people taking prep. And can you trust somebody who's taking prep? And it's key to point out as well that that taking prep is not an alternative to using contraception, using condoms. We always always recommend is that you should be using it as part of, of condoms as well. Um, you should it, prep is something you take on a daily basis, um, which kind of puts up that extra layer to stop HIV. But we do recommend condoms as well because prep doesn't stop at other STIs. On your website, there was a really interesting article and advice around revenge porn. It was talk to me a little bit about that. Is that kind of a, a growing trend as such? Is that something that people are becoming ever more concerned about, especially with social media and the ways in which you can distribute images and videos? Yes. Um, well, this is something that kind of grew out of our um, our users of FS Magazine. Um, it's one thing that they kind of were talking about. And I think it's happening a lot more, especially with the, with the availability of online porn sites and blog services such as Tumblr, um, a lot of people are finding that their images that they shared via um, Grindr or with their ex-partner are ending up online um, very very easily. And once it's online and it's shared and it's out there, it's very hard to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that we need to really talk about because consent is becoming a massive issue at the moment. Um, and the consent of imagery is just as important uh, on your website, you said despite significant improvements in legal, social and political equality for gay men in the last 20 years, there is still a lot more to do to ensure gay men have health equality. Mm -hmm. And that comes from your website for your plan, I think it's 2016 to 19. So looking to the future, how do we ensure that previously mentioned goals are achieved? Um, <laughs> Big question. Um, for us as an organisation moving forward, um, we have to make sure that we do the best service to gay and bisexual men as much as possible and that includes still continuing to give frank and honest sex, sex sexual health information um, information about prep pep um, hiv testing on what undetectable means um, but i think we also need to make sure that um, we can start servicing other parts of health inequalities within gay men which is the likes of mental health mm -hmm. uh, chemsex alcohol and drugs, uh, we have to make sure that we can start actually focusing on getting these health inequalities down. To do that, uh, we have to continue to work with gay men for gay men. Um, I think it's it's where GMFA has succeeded throughout the last 25 years. And without the supported community, we won't be able to do what we do. Um, and have to, we have to make sure that gay men are at the core value of all our work and that we are community led. And that's removing the stigma around HIV, chemsex, etc, etc. That's about making sure that we're having an open and honest dialogue yeah. as a community. Um, a lot of the times, creating a conversation is just as important as giving information. And we have to continuously talk about stuff like that. So, yes, HIV stigma, absolutely massive uh, issue. Even with us now starting to control HIV in our community, the, the issues that stigma plays on our community is awful. There's a lot of mental health um, issues based off HIV stigma and that has to be tackled. But the only way you're going to do about it is talking about it and start, when you see it, say something. The music for A Portrait of Excellence has been kindly provided by Lauren Flax. 
head over to soundcloud.com forward slash Lauren Flax to hear more. Thank you to our sponsors, the National Portrait Gallery, British Land, the Federation of Small Businesses, Andaz, Absolute, Bloom Gin, Beach Blanket Babylon and Chappie for believing in the Gay Times Honours. A special thank you to Kaleidoscope Trust, our charity partner for the Gay Times Honours. Kaleidoscope Trust works tirelessly to uphold the human rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual and trans people internationally. Go and find out more about the Gay Times Honours in our show notes and at gaytimes.co.uk forward slash honours.